He is Stephen Lancaster, both ghost hunters, both authors. We got a great season lined up for you guys. Stephen, why don't you tell everyone what our very first show of season three is going to be? Uh, our very first show of season three, we got a very special guest, Rick. We, we, we do. We, we've got Christina Lancaster. No relation, yes. no relation. It, it, no. It's just no, 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 no. <laughs> what? Let's not deceive anyone here. There's, I mean, there could be other there... Lancasters out there. Yeah, that's true. But no, this one is the Misses. Yes, the Misses is going to be here. Oh my God! So many questions, and and I'm hoping that she can answer this because there is. One burning question that is on everyone's mind, and by everyone, I mean me, of course. I just want to know why. <laughs> why and how did this happen? Look, Rick, if you find that answer, let me know. I've been asking myself that every day for a decade, okay? I mean, ev I mean, ev everybody who can see this, this will obviously be on YouTube later on so people can see this. I mean, look at just behind Steven's shoulder. He's got a lot of dolls back there. Action figures, motherfucker. They're fucking action figures. Dolls. No. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So now that we got that out of the way, what are we going to be talking about with Christina? Because this is going to be an entirely different kind of guest. So we're going to be talking about yes. something pretty goddamn serious. So let's hear it. Yes, you know, uh, of course, her and I investigated hundreds of cases together. And, mm -hmm. and um, but before that, you know, she was interested in the paranormal. She was a nurse, a wound care nurse her entire life. And she would always tell me these stories. And, and you know, you hear it all the time from people who work at hospitals. You know, you've heard stories that, that you've shared, you yeah. know, of just weird things happening. And it, and it makes sense. I mean, you're talking about facilities where people are dying every day. You right. know, there is bound to be something, but not every nurse is a paranormal investigator. And uh, I'm not going to spoil her stories because she's got some stories that's just going to run some chills down your spine, man. Um, but we're excited about that. But, but we'll bring Chris Christina on here in a, in a little bit. Um, we do want to cover a couple of really cool things because, you know, it's not this show until it gets a little weird. Oh, and, this show is always weird. And, and weird is where Rick comes in. You know, weird weird is kind of like that that person that insists it's actually a cold sore, but we all really know it's fucking herpes. Just call it what it is. Um 
for the record, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have herpes. So proceed, Stephen. Hey, that shit can lie dormant for 10 years. You think so now? Anyway, so Rick's got some, uh, he, he, he's always our little weird news story fisherman guy. Got his yep. little fishing cap on there. He went out there and he reeled us some in. Oh my God. And these are like, I, these are like some of the weirdest damn news stories I have ever heard. Let me find these up here. So we're going to be talking about, uh, well, it's a Florida man story. I, I imagine that doctor there, you know, America's dick shaped state always comes Dude. up with the best. Always. Um, and then we, from there, we move to, um, well, a self-driving Tesla and the police reaction to this autopilot story. This is very strange. I like the Tesla cars. I think they look great. But I'm a little skeptical when it comes to that autopilot. But we'll find yeah. out a little bit more. And it would not be the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk and TV without at least either a dildo story or a dick story. And I love um, this one. This one's fantastic. <laughs> so I So excuse me, everyone. My family and I, we have had this cold since way before Christmas. So it's like still got a little bit of the cough. So not a cold sore. No, Ain't not a cold, cold sore, but this, yeah, like I think it's like I think it's called RSV or something like that. Oh like yeah. Respiratory. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll ask the nurse when she comes on. Exactly. Well, you know, <laughs> hey, my wife is a nurse. I know. How weird is that? I know that is so strange. And she has actually filled me in on a few things because when she was working as a hospice nurse. She had some weird stuff happen. So we'll, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But also, you have a video. Yes. You sent me the other day. And I'm like looking at this thing and it's like, holy shit, what is that? <laughs> so Dude, it's incredible. And it's clear. It's, it's close. Guys, you're going to want to you're going to want to stay and see this. This is amazing. But but go on, Rick. Go on. Yeah, and of course we and keeping with the theme of the show with hospitals and nurses, I am going to be reading from an article that I wrote for Spooky Owls about Britain's top five haunted hospitals. It's kind of a lengthy one, which is why I chose two. Two just two, Stephen. Just two. Cool your tits. Well, rather cool your man tits, okay? Um So, yeah, I'm going to be doing that. So we, we have a lot on this show today, our very first show of season three. Yes. I guarantee you, you will love it. Dude, you know, it amazes me. I didn't think we would do three episodes, <laughs> let alone wow. three seasons. Thanks for the faith and belief there, Stephen. <laughs> I'm an honest guy. Tell it like it is. All right, so, so hey. let's talk about, you know, Florida, man, mm. it's like they send the crazies. It's like, look, y'all need to get as far away from me as possible. And I think that's why they end up in Florida, because that's as far as you can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're at the tip of the country, and that's where all the crazies are, folks. Right. So here on our first news story of News of the Weird, we here at the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk and TV like to showcase those stories that really don't get the time that it deserves in the public sphere. This is the first of three on this third season of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk and TV. This is from ABC News. Florida Sheriff burglars called 911 to get help 
moving stuff. Genius. <laughs> Genius. Really, hey, you know, I mean, if, if, if you, if you're, you know, robbing a bank or robbing somebody's house, you know, call the cops, man. They'll be your getaway. They'll help you move stuff. So two people in Florida are in jail after deputies say one of them made a 911 call to get help with moving their belongings from a home they were burglarizing. Now, I know that this is like comes as no surprise that this comes out of you know Florida, which is America's dick-shaped state. So two people in Florida were arrested after one of them made a 911 call to get help with moving their belongings from a home they were burglarizing, authorities said. Deputies responded to a home Saturday after a 911 call was made, but nobody spoke. The Polk County Sheriff's Office said, that, that wording is a little strange there. Sorry about that. Kind of broke it up there. At the home, the deputies concluded that nobody lived there, but they found a male suspect and his girlfriend inside the home after entering it through an unlocked door. And the only thing that could have made this better, Stephen, is if they showed up to help them move their burglarized stuff while these two people are having sex. That could have been the most Florida thing. While like smoking meth or something that could have been the most florida story we've ever hey heard. I, i'm seeing or a from, made for tv movie right now coming from, out you know beulahville north carolina um deputies have been searching for the male suspect after identifying him from security video as a burglar at the i don't know dollar general store in yes poinciana florida where several items were stolen earlier in the day. The sheriff's office said in a statement, Poinciana is about 35 miles south of Orlando. So burglarize a home and, you know, hit the Magic Kingdom. It's not that far away. While talking to deputies, the female suspect told them that she had called 911 for the purpose of having law enforcement help them move their belongings from the house they were burglarizing. They also wanted to get a ride to the airport. <laughs> Right to the airport. So they could spend the weekend in New York, the sheriff's office said. So I'm going to leave that right there. I mean, what else more needs to be said? This is Florida. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's fucking genius, man. I mean, the best place to hide is right out in the open, bro. So oh, yeah. if I'm robbing a place, I'll call the police myself. They would never think that I would call them because I'm robbing the place. Who does that? People then, in Florida, that's who does that. Exactly. And then to call to say that you need a ride to the airport just makes it so much better. I mean, you know, if they were to say to me, hey, Rick Hale, you just got done burglarizing this house. What are you going to do? I'm going to say, I'm going to Disney World. They're only 35 miles away. Go to Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, that is our very first story of this brand new season of News of the Weird. So, Stephen, are we going to invite Christina on? <laughs> yeah, but you know, before we do that, I I, I just got to jump into this video. I want to show oh. this video. You know, yes. we, we typically do a Creature of the Week, and guess what? This is going to count as Creature of the Week, okay? Yeah. It was January 6th. It was a day like no other. And the first thing I thought to do was send this shit to Rick. That's right, <laughs> folks. That's right. I came across a video that just hit the internet. Mm -hmm. Okay, this was taken off of the coast of Atlantic Beach, which is, I don't know, 45 minutes from here. Okay, this man, and it's it's not like your typical cryptozoological video 
where everything's blurry, you know, yeah. and you and it could be. This is probably the most vivid video of an unidentified creature I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're putting yeah. this on the screen right now so you all can kind of watch it looped while we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. But, dude, I mean, it's like I kept trying to think rationally, you know, alligator. But alligators don't like salt water, you know? No, a whale. That moved a whole lot differently than a whale. And there was no, like, spouting out of water, you know, to clear its its air hole or anything. Because that's why they come to the top. Yeah. Right? To get air. So, guys, what do you think? You, you need to come to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. What do you think this is? Rick, you had said instantly it reminded you of what? The Ultima Ha Ha Ha. <laughs> right. And no, folks, he's not talking about me. What is the ultimate ha ha? That is me. <laughs> that, that is Steven. He definitely is a clown. Um, but yeah, the um, the ultimate ha ha, and I, I, I'm hoping I, I'm pronouncing it correctly, but um, it is a, it's a cryptid creature that has been seen in these waters near places like North and South Carolina, as well as in, you know, the tributaries uh, of Georgia that come in off the uh, off the ocean. And when I when I watched this video, that is what immediately came to mind, that this is the Ultima Ha Ha or Ultima Ha Ha, whatever. Um, I showed it to my son and, uh, you know, Theo, he just he doesn't really have a whole lot of interest in this kind of stuff, which is which is cool. You know, he's busy with video games and Legos and, you know, he's 12 years old now, so he's cool. Um, and his first reaction was, um, well, it's an alligator or a crocodile. Mm -hmm. And I was like, with flippers? Yeah, and in seawater? You know, and in seawater, yeah. So it, it's like, I'm, we, we talked about this cryptid, oh God, I think it was like the first season. It was one Probably. of- Probably. Yeah, I think it was in the first season of Creature of the Week. And um, I mean, this is obviously a living thing. The video is clear as crystal. Yes. I watched this thing a hundred times. I'm not kidding you. This is not hyperbole here. I literally watched this a hundred times because I'm like, I want to, I want to know what this yes. thing is. Um, but what that living thing is, that's anybody's best guess, man. It's an excellent capture guys. You've seen the video. Uh, this needs to blow up. I mean, this, this is cool. And, and maybe you guys out there, uh, have a suggestion. Maybe, um, Maybe you just got a good good point. Like, ah, it's actually this. You know, we'd yeah. love to hear it. Come to our Facebook page and let us know. Now, Rick. Wait, hold on, ahead. Stephen. Go I just want to I just want to say something to that too. We like it when people have alternative uh thoughts and ideas yes. concerning things. So if you can look at this and say with absolute certainty that this is what this is, that's even that that's actually kind of exciting. Yeah, it is. We here at the Shadow Initiative love skeptics so give it your best shot folks because then we can come back next week and say hey you guys remember that video we showed you i mean this just happened two days ago mm -hmm. um not far from us here and, and you know we'll bring it up like hey so and so made this point or so and so made this point but before we get to my wife because my wife 
always makes me think of my penis. You have one more story that involves a penis. And we got to <laughs> hear. I love this one. This one's probably my favorite of yours today. Okay. Is she watching this? Because <laughs> Jamie would be mortified if I said something like this. So, yes, here is our second story for News of the Weird. And this comes from The Guardian in the United Kingdom. Yes, I accept. Go away. Uh, buffoon. I, I love these words because it's like not really words you hear too often here in the United States. Buffoon exposed himself trying to buy alcohol with his penis. That is truly remarkable. Like this guy is, I mean, I, I don't know if it's like small dick energy or something like that, but this dude felt that his dick was big enough to be able to get himself some liquor. So Guy Willis was described by his own legal representative. This is the guy's own attorney saying this as a buffoon for his actions. The 34-year-old was charged with exposure with the particulars of the offense stating that he intentionally exposed his genitals, intending that someone would see them and be caused alarm or distress. He appeared to be sentenced yesterday, Thursday, at the Warrington Magistrates Court, where he was told that his actions were highly unpleasant. I mean, unless they're into it, right? I mean, there could go, it could be that. Um, opening the case, a Crown Prosecution Service representative explained that the incident occurred on April 30th this year at approximately 1 p.m. The defendant entered a convenience store in the Orford area to buy some alcohol. When he was asked to pay by the shop worker, Willis dropped his shorts and underpants to his ankles, exposed his penis, and said, David, can I pay with this? <laughs> I fucking love it. I mean, can you imagine? It's like, okay, you go into the liquor store, <laughs> you grab your, your 30 pack of Milwaukee's Beast Dice, throw it up on the counter, and then you like fiddle around. <laughs> Bam. Will this cover it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That is awesome. That is just awesome. I mean, I'm starting to think like this area, Orford in the United Kingdom is probably much like, it should be Orford man, like Florida man, because this is the kind of shit that happens here in the United States at Florida. But yeah, uh, the worker promptly told him to pull his pants up and pay for the alcohol. The defendant was identified through CCTV, which recorded the incident, and Willis gave no comment to officers' questions during his police interview after being arrested. So I'm going to leave it there, and I assure you that Stephen probably did Google this. Uh... <laughs> I, did. I did. I wanted to see the video. I mean, this is fantastic. I high-five the man. This is great. The, the missing detail. The missing detail. Was the clerk a man or a woman it doesn't matter like i said i mean unless they're into it which obviously they weren't because they asked them clearly pull your pants up and pay for your liquor i mean that that's that story is just <laughs> oh man it's so fucking awesome so with that being said speaking of fucking and speaking of awesome i think it's about time to bring mrs christina lancaster on this show she's gonna regret just about every goddamn second of it that's not what she said to me she was like steven and and, and i quote this is from a facebook message steven has no idea what he's gotten himself into oh my god okay so 
She is coming in now. Uh, she's on her way. She's connecting. There she is. Ladies there and gentlemen, is. please welcome the lovely Christina Lancaster. Wait. What? What? Can't I can't hear kidding. you. I'm oh, kidding. you got it. <laughs> so, Christina. I just wanted to ruffle his feathers. Uh, you can it ruffle something. <laughs> now hey, would be I a can... great time for your kids to leave the room for you parents at home. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, we always like to tell people this is not a family show. Um, anybody 18 years and under may want to vacate immediately. So, Christina, welcome to the show. And it is like, I just, oh my God, why? <laughs> That's all so I many want. questions, so many questions, right? So many questions, absolutely. So, and, and I know one of them probably is how do I put up with them, right? Um, yes, actually, that is something that both my wife and okay. I wonder. Well, hold on just a minute. Okay. Stephen is the best thing that has ever happened to me. He makes me <laughs> a butter. Is that better, Stephen, or is it butter? I think it's better. Probably. So that's how I put up with him. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you heard it here first. The people have spoken. <laughs> When you're when you're hung like this, ain't no woman leaving this behind. I could buy alcohol with this dick. Woo. Oh <laughs> my god. Okay, moving on. You missed moving that on. story, Christina. The uh Rick had done our uh, news of the weird for the week and this this guy literally went into a liquor store and tried to use his dick to buy alcohol. Wow. Yeah. 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 Which is something that Steven does to buy cigarettes, I'm sure. No, it's vapes. It's not cigarettes. It's, I'm a vapor now. But he does, oh. yeah. Hey, I'll I get a bag of camels, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So, so Rick, I know you. You might as well get your little questions out of the way. Oh no, they're they're they're. It's 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 good because she has read the statement, and I honestly, Christina, mm -hmm. it's okay. I you're probably suffering a little bit from Stockholm syndrome at this point. <laughs> Um, to go on here and read a statement like that. Yeah. I'm just waiting for him to come and let me out of this room today. You know, maybe it depends on how this interview goes. <laughs> All right, Stephen, why don't you like, why don't we get started here? So like with nursing, I, I don't think that people really think too often that nurses I mean, sure, nurses deal, I was about to say we, I can't believe I was about to say that, nurses deal with the sick, they deal with the dying, they deal with the injured in the hopes of making them feel better. And um, nobody ever really considers that sometimes weird shit happens. Oh, yeah. You experience it as a nurse. Oh, yeah. Um, the first story that I have for you happened when I'd been a nurse, um, probably five or six years. I was pregnant with my daughter. I was three months pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and you got to understand, I always work long-term care or rehab care. Okay. So, you know, you got a lot of emotions that go into these buildings. These people roll in on these stretchers and they know for a lot of them, this is their last stop before they're gone. Um, you got a lot of family issues. There's, there's just a lot of emotions. Um, this one nursing home that I was working at, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was three months pregnant. Um, there was a central nurse's station up at the front 
And then there were two smaller ones near the back. Well, I worked a night shift and at night, right around two o'clock in the morning, you'd take your meds up front because the pharmacy people would come and pick up the meds that were expired or meds from patients that had, had expired. Okay. And at night, you know, they turn off all the lights because it's like being at your house. People are sleeping. So you've got like little lights along the floorway and that's all you have to guide you. Um, I walked from the back of the building at one of our smaller nurses stations that night up towards the front of the building to take my drugs back. And I get about halfway down this hall and all of a sudden somebody like comes out of a room to my left, brushes against my shoulder and then into the room right in front of us. And it was like wearing, it was like a guy in a long overcoat. Mm -hmm. And when he brushed against me or she or whatever it was, I got like this goosebump feeling throughout my entire body. It was like everywhere. And all of a sudden I felt panicky. I'm like, because nobody should have been in there. It's two o'clock in the morning. We lock our doors at 10 for safety purposes. Mm -hmm. So I walked into the room where it had ducked into and there were two old ladies sleeping and I didn't see anybody. So I opened the bathroom that adjoined to the other room. There was nobody there. And then I checked the other room. There was nobody. So at this point, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'm overtired. Mm -hmm. I get to the nurse's station and I tell the nurses, you know, this just happened to me. The weirdest thing ever. And it was it was like if you've ever walked through a spider web, you just can't get that feeling off you. You keep brushing Ooh. it even after that, you've gotten it off. Had that many, so I, many times on, on investigations. Yes. So I'm brushing it off and brushing it off. And I'm telling my story of how this man was in this building. You know, it was a guy in an overcoat. I saw it was like a shadowy thing. And they tell me that the woman that was in the room beside the room that it went into had been telling him for two nights that there was somebody in a long black overcoat coming to get her and she didn't want to go with him. She was end of life. She was dying. She was actively dying. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I wouldn't even walk back down the hallway by myself. We had a male CNA that walked me back down. And I may have been back there 20, 30 minutes when my phone rings and it's the nurses up front and they're like, hey, yo, this lady literally just died. Mm -hmm. So I'm like freaking out, you know, and I go about my business. I go home the next day mm -hmm. and I hit a deer and I go to the hospital and, you know, they do ultrasounds because I had seatbelt marks all over me. They did an ultrasound of what I thought was my one child. There were actually two babies and one of them was dead. Um, didn't have a heartbeat. And that was my story. I, I'm calling that the Grim Reaper story. So yeah, yeah. that that was a weird one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you hear a lot of those kind of stories um, from hospitals all over the world where, you know, like the ghost of the Grim Reaper or a dead nurse or whatever, you know, comes in and, and is there at the bedside right before people die. Um, you know, I wanted to speak a little bit to that, you know, about people being at the end of their life. Um, as you know, Jamie, my wife is a nurse and mm -hmm. um, she started her career as a COVID nurse working with COVID patients. And then she moved into doing hospice care. Uh, she's getting ready to go back to work. She had surgery done on her shoulder. She had a torn rotator cuff. So she's getting ready to go back to work. But she was telling me that while she was working as a hospice nurse, when people were actively dying in their homes, um, they would all of a sudden be talking to people. Oh, yeah. As if, you know, family members or friends were there yeah. and that is something that you you know I've heard before not just from my wife but from other people and um I think that that's a pretty common thing would you agree and do you think that that's legit you think that family and friends are really showing up to usher them into the you know the great beyond um 
in my opinion, and of course, it's just an opinion. I do. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side of that, also, you've got these people that are labeled demented. They've got dementia, whatever, that are in these nursing homes, and they are seeing things. And people are just blaming it on, oh, it's the medicines. Is there mental disorder? Whatever. And I don't think that's necessarily it. My next story actually leads into that. Hmm. Um, we had a lady that was schizophrenic, and she was at the end of her life. And she would be screaming in the middle of the night. And we'd go in and she'd tell us that the children wouldn't leave her alone. And we'd turn on the lights. And we'd be like, there are no children here. It's, you know, it's just you. She would tell us they were tickling her feet. And we would go in and like her table would be moved away from her bed. Now she couldn't get up and walk. She was paralyzed. Mm -hmm. And we'd be like, how'd her table get over there? And she'd say, those kids did it. I told you, those kids, those kids. And she swore by this for the last two weeks of her life. These kids, they were torturing her, she said. She said that they would go in her closet and mess with her clothes. And well, she finally passed away. And within two days, of course, they filled her bed. That's what medical facilities do. So there was another little lady that came in, totally alert and oriented. She was just there for a little rehab. And she, the first time that I went in to meet her, asked me, were those two children mine? And I was like, what two children? She said, that little boy and little girl. And she literally described the same two children that this woman before her had been telling us was torturing her. And there were no children in the facility. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th I think sometimes when we think that people have mental disorders, um, the older people that have dementia, I think a lot of the things they see, they're actually seeing. You know, we just we just don't see it. I agree. I mean, there there have been some there, you know, has has been some talk that, you know, things like schizophrenics, um, they're dismissed as being, of course, crazy and not of sound mind. But I mean, what if with things like dementia and you know, uh mental illness, what if it's like their minds are so blown open? Yeah, they've they opened that third eye. Yeah. I agree with you. Um I know towards the end of my mom's life now, she she had Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. She was in her house and she was, you know, seeing my uncle that was dead. And she would tell me about how she'd had these visits with him and she visited with other people. And and she just had all this stuff going on. And we all thought, man, she's just, that dementia's really got her. But mm -hmm. in the end, I, I really think she was really seeing things. Now, Christina, with, yeah. with you bringing up your mom, I would like you to go ahead and mention you in, want me to tell them in great detail okay, I'm gonna tell great them. detail okay i'll tell them so my mom the wonderful woman that she was sweet as she could be she she mothered five children she was the best mother ever mm -hmm. she met my husband um brought her to a cookout at the house now mind you let me remind everybody that she had alzheimer's and she did have dementia okay alzheimer's dementia mm -hmm. she sat down or I pushed her wheelchair upside Stephen, and she sat beside him, and she looked at him, and she said, "You have the face of an angel. Look oh at my. You. You're just an angel." And it was at that moment that I knew. <laughs> I don't know what I knew. Oh, but it gets better, Rick. I Hold on a second. <laughs> I, I, I'm, 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 I'm uh, kind of believing this only because you're not reading from a sheet of paper this it's time. A it's a true story. It's a true story. It's and true story. and okay. I went to visit her at the nursing home. And I approached her bed, and Christina can back me up. Mm -hmm. She just got this divine look on her face. 
and she said that I was glowing yes. and there was this pure white heavenly light surrounding me. I'm just thinking he probably passed gas beforehand and she could probably yeah. see all the fumes. Either that or he was on fire. Right. Oh, that could be it too. Hadn't thought about that. Well, I'm just saying it's a fantastic <laughs> story and uh, it needs to be told. So, uh, <laughs> Christina, how long? Next week on Hallmark. <laughs> before we take our first break here, um, how, how long were you uh, a nurse? 20 years. 20 years. Yep. I couldn't, imagine do, I couldn't imagine doing that. I just couldn't. Oh, I loved my job. I loved my patients. I know, I know you did. I, I, I just, not even just paranormal stories, but just hearing stories of, I mean, they became family to you, you know, yeah. and, and just, just the loss in general. Um, I, that's why I couldn't handle it. Get, getting close to them and then losing them. I, I'd, so I, I commend you for that. I commend all, all people, nurses, you know, all that kind of stuff, man. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the reasons why, um, Jamie is not going back to, um, to, to doing hospice nursing. Um, I can understand. Because, yeah, she is, uh, she's very um, empathic yeah. and very empathetic as well, very compassionate. And she had a tendency, like she would come home and just be drained because it's like, she's going into people's homes and of course she's, you know, getting these, the, her patients ready for death, but then she also has to um, be there for the family as well. And um, I, I'll be honest, I'm glad she's not going back to hospice because it was just, um, I think it was just too much. It was too many feelings, too many emotions that she was taking on herself. Yeah. Uh, but that's and one of the easy. things that I wanted to ask you too, when we come back from break, okay. because not only are you a nurse and a paranormal investigator, but I believe you're also psychic. I wouldn't say psychic, but I'll, I can tell you a story when we come back. Psycho. Okay. I'm psycho. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's take our first break guys. When we come back, we are speaking with Christina Lancaster nursing in the paranormal field. So you guys stick around. This week on Shadow Initiative's Paranormal Amped. It's William Duvall of Alice in Chains. William Duvall of Alice in Chains shares his personal ghost story. On this episode of Paranormal Amped, we welcome William Duvall of Alice in Chains, a man who has breathed new life into one of my favorite bands. So with that being said, do you have a ghost story? Steven! Thank you for the kind words about me breathing new life into the band. Um, and I've definitely had some, some, some uh, encounters that are, that are um, not easily explained, I guess. Um, I don't know if this one counts as a ghost story per se, but um, right after my grandfather died, or shortly after he died, I, I was 15 when he passed. We are back to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk and TV with the most excellent, this guy, Stephen Lancaster, and that guy, Rick Hale. And we have a very special guest today, Christina Lancaster, who's been telling us stories of nursing and the paranormal. Now, you kind of have a gift Christina and I've seen this and, and I'm the most skeptical Rick when it comes to um 
psychic ability or or clairvoyancy and sensitive sure. all that stuff i'm so skeptical man however i have seen this so many times where christina will call something man and you can only call it coincidence so many times so christina why don't you talk a little bit about that um i guess one example i can give um I worked with a bunch of CNAs and we were all like family. Um, we were in the break room one day and I told one of my fellow CNAs that um, I had had a dream about her the night before. And she said, well, what did you dream? I told her I dreamed that she came into the building and asked me to come out and check and see what was wrong with her car. And that when I went out, she had a flat tire and she kind of shrugged it off and she laughed. She goes, well, that won't be happening. We just put four brand new tires on my truck. I was like, okay, well, she came into work the next day and she told me, don't ever tell me anything that you dream ever again. And she was driving home that afternoon and she had a blowout on one of her brand new tires. Oh my. And it's just, it's, it's things like that. I have dreams that come true quite frequently. Um, I get feelings. I get these intuitive feelings like, and, and this one is the one that is like the biggest in my life. And I think about it all the time. Um, my daughter-in-law wanted me to watch my grandson, or actually she had scheduled her mom to watch my grandson, but she had called me the morning that she had to go to work and I was already getting a bath. We were getting ready to go somewhere. And she's like, Hey, can, can you take Tanner today? And I said, well, we already had plans. And she's like, well, okay, I'll just go ahead and take him to my mom. Well, I hung up the phone and I was thinking, I was like, dude, I really need to take him. For some reason, I just need to take Tanner today. So I called her back and I was like, no, don't, don't take him to your mom's, bring him here. I've got him. And what it was, she was running late for work and we live two minutes from a mom lived like 15 minutes away from us. So that's why she had called. <clears throat> she brings Tanner to me and I'd had Tanner for like three hours, put him down for a nap. And she calls me frantic. Her mom and her sister had just been involved in a car accident. And her mom was killed. Oh, no. Her mom was T-boned on the same side as Tanner's car seat in her car. And her mom died. And I don't know. It's just those feelings that I get. I felt that day I had to call her back. I had to take Tanner. So, yeah. I've, I vividly, I vividly remember that. Ricky, you've probably heard that um, Christina and I used to volunteer for a local nonprofit. Uh, yeah. We did it, did it for a couple of years. And I, that's where I was. And uh Christina called me and she said, you're never going to believe this. And she told me that Tanner's grandmother was just killed. And yeah, I remember that happened. Yeah. And, and he would have been in the car with her. That was the first thing that came to mind. Like, oh my God, we almost, or Christina almost didn't take Tanner that day, you know, cause he certainly wouldn't have survived that. I mean, if you, you would, it's just horrible, but that that's, that's amazing. Yes. But, but Christina, you know, I know we're going to talk more about your stuff with nursing and there's one particular story I definitely want, want you to tell Rick about in, in the audience, but just kind of touch briefly on, you know, what every superhero, you know, they have, they've got their origin story, you know, and we always talk with, with our guests, like what got you into the paranormal? At what point did you say, yes, this is, this is a journey I want to go on. It wasn't necessarily a journey I wanted to go on. It was a journey that I had to go on. And I'm going to say it started. Um, 
I remember things back from when I was younger. I remember seeing people that were not alive. I remember, but my parents were always, no, no, you don't talk like that. You know, they're Baptist, you know, they'll think you're crazy and blah, blah, blah. So I would say that my origin story would be the Grim Reaper story, because as I said, I was pregnant. Um, my daughter was born and my daughter was born with the gift of being able to see ghosts and people that had passed on. And for the longest time, it freaked me out because everywhere we moved, we moved and moved and moved, trying to get away from haunted houses, only to come and find out that it was my daughter that was attracting things. And that was when I decided, you know, I got to figure out what's going on because how can I take care of her if I don't even know what's going on? So that's how I came to be. So what was your what was your first like, I I guess once you started becoming a, a, you know, for hire, so to speak, what was your your first um, first first case? kind of insulting but well you yeah. know what <laughs> fuck both y'all this is I'm not gonna be for you <laughs> no we're not gonna be ganging up on me today okay so what what was your first case like outside of the nursing stuff what what was the first case you ever worked the very first case um it was at a class with you at the Brentwood and it wasn't really a case we just did an investigation that night but the very first case that I took was the uh, plantation case. Yes. The crazy, crazy plantation case, yeah. Now, Christina, we've shown a lot of footage from that case on various episodes of this show. You know, Rick, like that that thermal footage of the two windows and that man of the state. Yeah, okay, that came from this case. That was, okay. that was Christina's case, and it snowballed and snowballed to where she involved... The, the entire team but why don't you just i know you could talk all day long about this case but um, what's the standout real quickly and i'll just give it a quick rundown because that's not the focus of this show um it was a place that i investigated for four years i involved the entire team not only the entire team other paranormal teams came out um, I had a guy from NASA come out. I had a submarine captain and a MUFON representative out at this case. And they all left with their jaws on the ground. It, it was a crazy case. Um, my take on this case was that there was some portal to another dimension mm-hmm. on the grounds of this place. And this place had everything you wanted from cryptids to entities, um, shadow figures. And it, it was just crazy. Well, with so that being... Go ahead, I Rick. Just, I was just going to say that it sounds like a place that is affected by high strangeness. Yep. A lot like this show. Hmm. <laughs> but with that being said, um, that prompted you to write your book. Why don't you tell people real quickly about that? Um, yeah. Um, after four years of being at this place, I just needed some way to decompress from it. So I just put all my thoughts and and every almost every episode that happened there down in a book is called Just Believe. I think it's available on Amazon um, and it's under Christina Parker. Uh, but I, I try not to think about that place very often. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was going to do a rewrite on the book, but it seems like anytime that I start thinking about it or start mentioning anything about it, that shit goes haywire in my life. So <laughs> that's well, why I want to move on to the nursing part. Well, I know that. Um... 
one thing that's helping you is you're you're currently working on it's like a seven to ten book series about me, and I'm I'm very excited um, to be a part of this seven to ten books. I cannot pick my feet up any higher than they already are. Okay, and it's getting deep in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back to back to um, your nursing in the paranormal, as I, I call it. Um, you shared a really captivating story with me, and I'll just go ahead and say it for the folks at home. Um, we are not going to be playing this file. There's just so many reasons as to why. But you captured a very interesting audio recording. Why, why don't you tell people about that? Um, when you're working in long-term care, you have every walk of life come in to be taken care of. Um, we had one patient come in that we literally had to put a red dot on our map for him being there. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that all of you guys know what that means. You know what it means, Rick? No, I don't. Okay. Um, the red dot at a residence means that there is a pedophile there, that there is a sex, uh, not necessarily a pedophile, but a sexual, um, predator that has been convicted, that has been let out of jail for whatever reason. And that red dot, you can go on your state website and they'll give you a red dot of every address. That way you're aware that this is where they are. Okay. Um, we had one of those come to us. And due to some issues I've had in my past, I found it very hard to take care of this man. Mm -hmm. um, it had... And the first thing I did when he came in, instead of reading medical records, was went straight to the site. I needed to see what he had done. Um, it was sexual crimes against children, and it was against boys. So for the first five months he was there, I just was sickened by the very side of him. I'm just like, don't ask me for anything. I'll do what I got to do for you, and I'm leaving the room. Mm -hmm. And then one day it just kind of hit me. You know, you went to nursing school, you took that oath, you'll take care of everybody, no matter what, blah, blah, blah. Well, he came to his end of life. He, he came into us with cancer. That's why he was released. Um, he came to his end of life and it was about his last week on earth. And he started trying to befriend me. And he um, told me at one point while we were talking that it was okay if I wanted to record any of what he was saying. So I'm thinking this guy is about to at least, because he, he denied, denied, denied. He would tell anybody that would listen, I did not do that. I did not do that. So I'm thinking, you know, he's getting ready to confess. He's getting ready to apologize. He wants me to record this for that reason. So the, the conversations we had for the rest of that week were recorded. It was nothing out of the ordinary. The last day he was alive, I clocked out and he had nobody there. And if somebody's actively dying, I will not leave him alone. I, I just stay with him. And I decided I was going to stay with him. and. I get my phone out and I hit record and I asked him when he finally opened his eyes, I said, um, is there anything that you want to say to those kids? I said, are you sorry for what you did? And he said, no. So I just put the phone down and it was still recording and I'm sitting there with him and I'm like, you know, what you did was really wrong. I said, I, I can't, I said for the longest time, I couldn't even look at you and I'm just talking to him and he, his eyes are closed and he's actively dying and He's almost gone. And finally, it was like time for me to go get my daughter from soccer. And another nurse came in and she goes, I'll sit with him for a while. So I left. And when I got home that night, 
I thought, well, let me just listen to this. And I listened to it. And in the background, now, mind you, there was a party going on and they had everybody from all the halls way down on the other side of the building in the cafeteria. So it was just me and him down this hallway. And in this recording, you can hear people screaming like far off in the distance. You can hear like people wailing and screaming like they're in misery. And it was just me and him sitting there, neither of us saying anything and there were no noises. And I, I don't know, was, was that the sounds of hell? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I get the chills every time. I, it's just, I don't know. Well, if it is, the, I'm not a religious person by any means, but I do believe that there has to be some kind of punishment for bad deeds done on earth. So if there is a hell, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for saying this because I'm very sensitive to this kind of thing, but uh, he deserves to be there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So that is, yeah. uh, that is an incredibly intense story. Um, I agree. I, I mean, I wouldn't have used the tape recorder. <laughs> this, this, this would have been my investigation. I can't. Oh man, I have no tolerance for that bullshit. Nope. Neither do I. Okay. So, so let's, let's move on from that one. Move, let's move on, Christina. What has been the most? Because I, I, well, like God, there's like so many directions we could go. But what's been like the most captivating thing? And you don't. It doesn't even have to have been documented. Just that you've witnessed. You know, you've done a lot of investigations. Many with me, many not with me. But what, what's been the one thing that when somebody says, what convinced you? What did you see that beyond a shadow of a doubt, that was a fucking ghost? Does it have to be ghost? No, no. Alien, okay. Rick, okay. it could be anything. Um, <laughs> the one thing that sticks out in my mind the most with all the investigating and everything else that I've ever done was the night of a close encounter at the place we were just talking about. Um, It happened in the woods, on the tree lines. Um, Two of the team members actually witnessed a being. And then me and another investigator from another team heard this whirring noise. It was kind of like, I don't know, like a fan to the left of us. And then we all leave the area, step out into a field, and the entire, the entire sky turns this bright orange, and it's like a flash, and it's gone. And that happened, and I reported it to a MUFON expert at the same time that a guy on the other side of the city was reporting the very same thing. Yeah. So that yeah, that's that's that, incredible. Yeah. It's always it's always great to have at least one other person who saw the same thing. It just adds credence to what what you saw. Yeah. What's so, really what's really neat about that, Rick, is is one of the times that that I was there, um, we were standing around the the actual old farmhouse, and mm-hmm. we see this unique light pattern crossing through the woods. Um, crossing through this huge, huge soybean field, making no sound. Okay. It was moving at the pace of like a balloon floating. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
making no sound. And and I can remember I'm filming this, and it and if you remember this, Christina, it gets right to the road. Okay, about above the road, boom, yep. gone. Like you see in Star Wars, Star Trek, light speed, gone. No sound. Well, that's like what I showed the we showed the video on the show here, what my son and I saw. Yeah. And um, it was very much like that. And reported it to MUFON and talked to a MUFON um, um, representative, Brandon Burton, nice guy. We got to try and get him on the show. Um, he said that it was an airplane. And I was like, mm, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that there, buddy, because uh, I don't know what this was, but this was not an airplane. Uh, definitely moved in like the pace of a uh, balloon. And it was, it would appear in one spot and then appeared in another, as we saw on the video. And then it was just gone. Now, I mean, I live very near a couple of different um, airports, like O'Hare is maybe 30 miles uh, south of us. And then there's a couple of little ones that are around here. And um, there's, this was not an airplane. So it's like what what you guys saw is very similar to what to what I and millions of other people have seen. Well, the weird thing about our experience, the next weekend when the MUFON representative came out, she brought a guy from NASA. She bought, brought her um, a submarine captain and they all came out to investigate with us. And when we walked back to the same area, the trees had been leveled and the dirt had been dug up. It was... And we were like, what? And we've been going there for four years and nobody had ever touched any of this area. And then all of a sudden after that night, it was like trees level, dirt dug up to about like an inch deep. It's like, what in the world? And, and yeah, that that night they there was an experience that um, the submarine captain couldn't explain. The MUFON lady couldn't. The NASA guy couldn't. So yeah, that's, that, I would that's love to be able to go back to that place, but but not it, it was it was bad now christina you i mean clearly you're you're not quite as famous as i am i mean i, I mean you know everybody knows that but you've done uh you've done travel you've done travel channel a couple times um one you did an episode on norman the doll and the second one you did on the infamous haunted restaurant the brentwood wine bistro so Obviously, we're, we won't get into the whole story of, of all those cases, but can you give us an example of, of an experience with Norman the doll and a little bit of what it felt like to kind of tell that story on television and then a little bit of the Brentwood and, and your experience with filming and, and, and that kind of thing? I can, but this has nothing to do with nursing. Okay. Um, Brentwood. I absolutely love the Brentwood. I've never been there to investigate in which something did not happen. Um, silverware being thrown, um, people or, or something trying to open the bathroom door when you're in there and there's nobody on the other side. It's like that place is just off the chain crazy. Um, but I've never felt threatened there. It's, it's like it's like a calm presence. It's, it's common instead of um, it doesn't feel malevolent at all. Uh, Norman, on the other hand, um, he, he needs to go and live with Rick. He needs to go <laughs> reside at Rick's house. He's not um, welcome here. 
the the one night with him that sticks out the most in my mind was the night that my daughter runs out of the house in a towel screaming in the middle of the winter. We're all outside and she's freaking out because somebody wrote on the bathroom mirror while she was in the shower and she saw something walk by the shower and she was the only one in the house. Um, yeah, for the longest time, she wouldn't even come near the room he was in. And still to this day, if she knew where he was, she wouldn't be around him. Um, but yeah. so what do you what what do you feel about the, like the the tv side of it because that's something that rick and i talk about all the time i don't like know? it i don't yeah. like it because um what was done when they interview you they they try to steer you in the direction in the, the into what they want you to say and mm -hmm. if you don't say it the way they want you to the first time they'll reword it and come back at you it's kind of like um sitting on a, a stand being cross-examined by lawyers that's what it's like and, and they're doing anything they can to get you to say what they want you to. And normally it's something that's that's not true. You know, they're trying to, um, I guess for their ratings, they're trying to make it sound a little worse than it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about, you know, that with the Brentwood Wine Bistro, that there was the one scene in the show that didn't happen. And wasn't that with the door in the bathroom, Stephen? Yes, that that's where, you know, they had me looking like I was straight out of the Godfather. Yeah, I thought it was amazing that they got a Michael Chiklis lookalike. Right, time. right. <laughs> you know, they, they couldn't have got like somebody remotely close to what I look like, like Brad Pitt or something, you know. But anyway, that's just we're, this isn't about me. So but yeah, they, they said that Christina was trapped in the bathroom oh, yeah. and, and that I had, was a lie. yeah and i had to run and bust the door down i mean i appreciated it you know like hey i look badass you That's know that hero vibe there buddy yeah <laughs> but that did not happen at all no. mm -hmm. in any way so back to back to the nursing rick do you have any specific questions i'm not trying to monopolize this um, no, I think that, you know, like the big one that I had, of course, was what Jamie was telling me about that being at people's bedside when they're dying and seeing things and talking to people, you know, I, I just want to know if Christina has. Yeah, had, it, um, it does. It, it happens with everybody, everybody that I've seen pass away. And I've, I've seen a lot of people in my 20 years. Um, yeah, for sure. It's, it's a sad thing, like Stephen said, when you get attached to them and, and it's just, it's a sad thing. And I can understand why she can't do it anymore. I really think that um, there at the end, I think it was weighing on me pretty bad. And I think that had a lot to do with my health deteriorating mm -hmm. because I had gotten to the point that I could literally walk into a room to a patient that I had never seen. And I could look at them and I could go back out and tell their nurse, you need to go and check on them. Something bad's going to happen. And they'd be like, well, you know, he just came in and his vitals are fine and blah, 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 blah. And then I come back the next day, the bed's empty and the man died. And, you know, the feeling of frustration of me being like, look, I know something. And it's me saying, I know something bad's going to happen, but his vital signs saying, no, nothing's. And then it happens. It was, it was frustrating. Yeah. Well, that's, that's two decades of experience at yeah. work there for you. I mean, I, I honestly wish that she, when she goes back after, after, when her shoulder is completely done, I wish that she would go back to like a really, really easy pediatrician's office. Um, someplace where it's like, you don't really have to become um, 
emotionally attached, but I, I guess yeah. it could happen anywhere, especially when you're a trained nurse and you have that, you know, empathetic side to you, I imagine. Yeah. So how much longer we got there, Lancaster? Oh, my God. Are you that tired of us already? No, because I had another story, but I didn't want to go into it if we didn't have time. Yeah. That's a, what do you yeah, think, Rick? Absolutely. We got time for another story? We got time for we got time. Sure. OK, so this this particular patient, maybe mid 50s, um, had a tragic accident, left and paralyzed from the neck down. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what you see when that happens is people turn into assholes, just to put it bluntly. They are so angry at the world and they take it out on everybody around them, especially the people that take care of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this particular person, uh, the only way he could use a call light, he had like a straw that he blew into to activate his call light to let us know he needed us. Well, he was just so mad at the world that he would blow his call light and we'd come in and he'd be like, it took you over a minute to get here. Or he'd blow it and we'd go in to see what he wanted. And he'd be like, I was just seeing if you guys would come. And he'd do this all shift and he would cuss at the girls as they took care of him. And, you know, nothing was ever right. And he was just so angry with the world, just angry. Yeah. Well, he was like on his last leg, too. And we were up at the nurse's station one morning. We were running short of staff. So we were all discussing who was going to take care of him because everybody hated to because you got cussed at the entire time. So there was kind of a little, mm, I'd say, a heated disagreement as to who was going to get him and all of a sudden while these aides are arguing amongst themselves the backboard on our crash cart which you'd have to pull it forward lift it up and take it off it just comes off the crash cart and crashes in the middle of the floor and all the aides stop they look at each other and they just scatter so I'm like okay I guess that settled that then who we said is going to have him is going to have him yeah so yeah. that day he ended up passing away his call light that entire shift kept coming on. He was gone. The funeral home had picked him up. People go in there and they turn his light off. The minute they'd leave, call light kept coming on, kept coming on. Then it came on and wouldn't go off. So we called maintenance and maintenance came in and they're like, there's nothing wrong with it. We don't, we don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. So they were going to order a new part to put in the whole panel just to see if that's what it was. And this thing stayed on until he had literally been dead for exactly 24 hours. And it, went off and it never came back on again but that was a weird one to me kind of proof that if you're an asshole in life you're more than likely going to be one in death which yeah. we talk about a lot here now yes, now now we're, we're each going to hit you with one more question okay. um that i'll give rick time to think of one and uh <laughs> my question is like when you met me you you knew that i built my paranormal team based on attributes, you know, um, you with your, whatever you want to call it, intuitiveness, clairvoyancy, whatever. Um, and of course, more so knowledge of the medical field. You know, of course I had ex law enforcement, military, electricians, carpenters, stuff like that. Somebody that would bring something to the table. Now, did you find that your experience in the nursing field you know, give us some examples of how that helped you on a paranormal investigation, either prove something or disprove something. Well, this has nothing to do with paranormal investigating, but I'm, I'm thinking about the night that we were all at the Squire and the guy had the stroke across the room in the crowded oh, room. Yeah. Um, 
I have this this sense too when somebody's not doing well, it just like I'm like pulled towards them. Well, we're in this crowded, crowded room. It is like everybody's just like five or six people at a table, tables are back to back. And I start noticing this little guy sitting across the room. And he's just sitting there with his wife and they're having a good old time. And I keep watching him. And several of the people sitting around me are like, what are you looking at? And I'm like, I'm just looking at that little guy over there. This little guy had a stroke in the middle of this belly dancing. Okay. He literally had a stroke. And I saw him as he started on his left arm. And then I saw him start to lean. And I got up and went to the table and I asked his wife, is he okay? And she's like, well, I don't know. So we called 911 and he, he literally had a stroke. And because we got him to the hospital quickly enough, he got the medication and had no long-term effects from it. Yeah, Christina saved this man's life. I remember this night. It was the uh, like 50th anniversary of the Country Squire restaurant, a a well-known haunted location. We've investigated it dozens and dozens of times. I used to live on the property. You've heard about this place, Rick. Yeah. But. We're at this celebration that went all day long. Like she said, there was belly dancers. There was a food eating contest. There was a presentation by my team, you know, on the paranormal happenings, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was, I was busy though, you know, cause everybody swarmed around me, you know, I'm signing titties, all that, you know, you know, the drill, right. But I, I'm sitting there at, at, at the table with my team and I see Christina just staring off at this guy. She's not watching the stage uh, of the performance. She is staring at this this older gentleman. And I'm like, what what is what is up with this chick, right? But then the next thing I know, she gets up and goes over to him and she's, you know, leaning down, talking to him. She's assessing him. Next thing I know, she's saying he's having a stroke. We had to me and another one of my team members had to pick this man up in his chair and walk him through this entire restaurant to the front to meet the the ambulance when it got there. And this literally saved his life. If she wouldn't have noticed that, this man would have died right there in the middle of that performance. Wow. That That is is crazy. Yeah. So with my question is, is that's kind of like leading into it a little bit. Uh, On an investigation, like when you're actually you know, boots on the ground kind of investigation. Um, have you ever had to offer aid, you know, bumps, bruises, healing, you know, Steven's fragile ego? Have you ever um, had to do anything like that? I have. Uh, actually, one night in a motel, um, during a plantation investigation, I think it was the middle of July, one of our team members had um, severely dehydrated mm. and he was sick. And um, I had to call somebody that I knew that could have access to some IV fluids and literally started IVs. And <laughs> yeah, I've used my medical experience with teammates. Um, I can't I can't say that I've ever used it. I mean, as far as like when we're investigating, if you look in somebody's medicine cabinet, I can look at a medicine and tell you what it is right away. So, you know, sure. if they're on something for psychosis or or something like that, then, yeah, that my medical knowledge comes into play. Right. But as far as just paranormal investigating, I don't, I don't really think that the the nursing part of me has that much of a, I just don't think it matters that much. Okay. 
Thank well, that was much. awesome. And I, I remember the whole IV thing. Rick, you've heard the stories of the plantation. No power, yeah. no running water, nothing. So we're it's literally roughing it. We were camping for days on end. And it was like a 120-degree heat index, dude. Uh, and we're yeah. out there with our full equipment, of course, guns, because we're, you know, on no man's land, 80-some sure. acres of wooded area. And, and, yeah, he was green in the face. That's mm -hmm. how dehydrated he was. And we got a hotel room. I'll never forget it. I had filmed some of it. And, yeah, she had to rig up an IV to save this kid. It was uh, pretty awesome. But, remarkable yeah remarkable so is there anything else before we let you go christina that you want to add like how awesome we are anything yeah, hold on hold on steven loves rick he really pretends like he doesn't but he yeah steven loves rick <laughs> oh. uh christina blink twice if you need help <laughs> <laughs> you want to wear black if i need help <laughs> no but uh yeah i you know I, I know that steven and i give each other a hard time on this show but actually we really are great friends yeah he thinks a lot of you sure. same here sure <laughs> whatever you guys want to say delusional i mean it can happen to anybody we're all getting up there in the years so. oh yeah <laughs> i mean well christina thank you for joining us it's been awesome um thank you we're going to let you go so we can finish out the show with my favorite part where Rick talks, where Rick talks yes. a lot and I am bored. Bye, Rick. And good luck <laughs> with this guy. Bye, Christina. Thank, Thank you so you, much, Christina. Seriously, uh -huh. you know, all, all the luck is on needed is yeah. on your side of the table. Just just pray for me. OK, you got it. <laughs> Look at that. And welcome back to the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk and TV. We have just had a fascinating conversation with Mrs. Christina Lancaster telling us about her time in the paranormal as well as being a nurse and dealing with uh, this supernatural. So uh, we just want to say thank you so much, Christina. Uh, great talk, Stephen. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, I mean, I, I I thought she was probably the greatest guest we've ever had. The the hottest guest we've ever had. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 I, I, I'm not I'm I'm not trying to get laid tonight or anything. Yeah, no, I, I just I definitely think that you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Rick. What's next on the table to close out the first episode of season three? um ghost watch yes um, yes so in keeping with the theme of the show uh i have this is taken from an article that i wrote for spookyisles.com of five haunted hospitals in great britain and i have two of them for you today so i'm rick Hale. this is ghost watch <laughs> Our first stop on the tour of haunted hospitals brings us to central London's St. Thomas Hospital, a well-respected teaching hospital that many believe may just be the home of an angel of death. For almost a thousand years, St. Thomas's hospital has been providing healthcare 
for people suffering from serious illness, thanks to charitable donations. The hospital is the namesake of St. Thomas Becket, the legendary Archbishop of Canterbury, who was martyred for his defense of the faith and canonized by Pope Alexander III. This venerated hospital may have a long history of healing the sick and seeing to the needs of the poor, but something else makes the rounds with the doctors and nurses. An angel of death is said to haunt the hospital, and if she visits your bedside, you may never leave. Late at night when all the visitors are gone, the apparition of a great lady is seen floating down the halls of the hospital. This great lady is believed to be a long dead nurse who thinks she's still seeing to her patient's needs. Visitors have been fooled into believing she is a nurse until they approach her and realize she has no legs. She then vanishes before their incredulous eyes. Another story concerning the great lady has her visiting the bedside of terminally ill patients. It's said if she visits you, you will be dead before dawn. Stories of this sort are common in hospitals the world over, but it appears to have originated here in this central London hospital. On to our second, which is in Liverpool, Newsham Park Hospital. Before Newsham Park Hospital began taking patients, it served a much different purpose. It was known as the Liverpool Siemens Orphan Institution, and it took in children who lost their fathers to the unforgiving depths of the ocean. The children lived in the building until 1949 when the Newsham Park Hospital was opened. After opening, it developed a comprehensive program to treat patients in psychiatric distress, even the ones who were considered to be dangerous. In 1997, it was closed and purchased by a development company that has big plans of turning it into an events venue, a bar, and a restaurant. Sounds ambitious. However, what they didn't know was their business venture was haunted by some very active ghosts. Even before the hospital was closed, patients could be heard conversing with people only they could see. And a nurse that worked the night shift hung herself after having several encounters with an aggressive ghost that made her life absolutely miserable. The apparition of the nurse who was being bullied by her spectral tormentor has been seen walking the halls of a hospital. A row of cabinets leading to the attic that was used to punish unruly children holds the soul of a little boy. Allegedly, he was locked away in the attic after acting out and died of suffocation after being forgotten. He is known to slam the cupboard doors and has been seen timidly peeking out of the cupboard when people approach. The boy isn't alone in the old hospital. Shadowy figures are seen running between rooms. Disembodied voices are heard in empty rooms, and phantom footsteps follow people as they wander the building. Researchers believe the ghostly inhabitants of the Newsham Park Hospital are both the children as well as the psychiatric patients. I'm Rick Hale, and this was Ghostwatch. Wow. Yes. See, Stephen, I only picked two because I know how much you love it and just get into it. And if I had like all five of them, you would never be able to recover. Probably not. Probably oh. not. I usually see my life flash before my eyes every time you start reading. <laughs> so, hey, actually, you know, I do want to close it out because there, there really is. There's a third story. Oh, of course there is. There's there is a third story with weird with news of the weird. Let's hear it, man. So, OK, here it is. Tesla on autopilot leads police on a chase before a driver finally wakes up 
<laughs> I, this is great. So this comes to us from Bamberg, Germany and Fox 2 News. A driver in Germany had his license taken away after he appeared to have fallen asleep behind the wheel of his Tesla, which was on autopilot and led police on a chase. On December 29th at about 12 p.m. local time, police spotted a Tesla driving down Autobahn 70, leaving Bamberg, Germany. And heading towards Beirut, I think it's Beirut, uh, according to a news release from Bavarian police, officers attempted to stop the Tesla, but the vehicle did not pull over. The car was traveling at about 70 miles per hour and did not slow down or speed up during the attempted traffic stop, officials noticed. The Tesla kept the same distance from the patrol car in front as they traveled down the Autobahn, police said. Officers pulled up next to the Tesla's driver's side window and noticed the driver, only identified as a 45-year-old male, reclined in his seat with his eyes closed and his hands off the steering wheel. This strengthened the suspicion that he had left the controls on autopilot and had fallen asleep, police said. So this kind of actually goes back, Stephen, to like one of the oldest urban legends on record about the couple who are, you know, they're driving cross country in their um, um, in their in their can in their drivable camper, and the guy puts it on autopilot, thinking that that means oh, that I can go in back and like hang out with my wife and we can eat and do whatever. And the car will just pilot itself. But here it is with the Tesla. This actually does it. So, I mean, this is, this is remarkable. So this guy actually was like, I'm just going to put this on autopilot and I'm going to fall back to sleep. It doesn't, of course, doesn't really specify whether or not he had been drinking or using drugs or anything like that, which he probably wasn't. But I mean, I think that this story is amazing. So if you have a Tesla, ladies and gentlemen, you still have to be awake and vigilant of what you're doing because you could still kill someone. I have questions. Why, why, why were they trying to pull him over to begin with? Because he was speeding. Okay. But 70 miles a, per hour. But wait a minute. I, I thought the Autobahn had no speed limit. Oh, no, no. The Autobahn. This is like another roadway like this oh, one okay. actually has a speed limit whereas with the autobahn which when my i was born in germany uh, when my parents were in the service there they actually drove on the autobahn uh at top speed in the car oh yeah so it's pretty cool right hell yeah i'm down i know you are so yeah this is that's another that's just a remarkable story so like i said folks if you have a tesla please keep your hands on the wheel stay awake you know, even though your car is a giant robot, you still need to be vigilant. Or if you listen to the band Tesla, try, not, try not to tell anybody about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which we all know you do, Stephen, because you you love that. You love that uh, that shit kicking party rock. Uh, music. Hey, hey man, the 80s best metal ever. Best. That's not metal, though. That well. Come on, come on, man! Come Sorry. on. Sorry, it's like Iron Maiden, Slayer, sure. Testament, sure. Anthrax, Metal, but Tesla, Pretty Boys with guitars. Okay, I'm glad you said that because this is how I shut people up most of the time with that argument. Okay. Okay. If you hadn't seen them, okay, let's say Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, Poison, Rat, Winger, White Snake, White Lion, whatever. If okay, you hadn't. Mot Motley Crue and Rat, I will allow. Okay. So, but if you hadn't seen them, 
with their hair sprayed hair and their fruity pantaloons, you know, their leather and all this shit. If you hadn't fruity seen that pantaloons. and you only had the music to go by, think about there was no MTV in the 80s and you're just listening to the radio. Okay. And Poison's, uh, I don't know, nothing but a good time comes on. It's a decent song. It's a fun song. You know, Def Leppard, let's get rocked. Dude, yeah, it's awesome. But then you look at the guys and you're like, oh, oh, uh, how is that even popular, right? (laughs) It's too much. If you take the image away, that music was fantastic. Well, with that being said, I know that Steven likes shitty music, but uh, (laughs) I'm totally joking. Speaking of which... You are writing an album, and I honestly, I, is there anything that we can hear yet? Not yet. Not oh, yet, buddy. Man. Not yet, but it's coming. We're about a month away from when I, I've got the Facebook.com Phantom Music Box page. Mm-hmm. Please like it if you guys like metal and hard rock, okay? Because this is going to be coming for me. Um, I'm going to be very proactive, Rick. Like I'm, I'm going into, into my studio for an entire week uh, in February. And I'm I'm literally sharing it all with you guys. I'm going to be doing live videos, you know, just videos of my thoughts. Hey, what do you guys think of this riff? You know, and I'm going to be putting this together with you guys. It's going to be an interactive experience. And as I complete the songs, I will release them in their entirety online for free for people to just jam out to, man. I honestly cannot wait to hear this. This is going to be fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. But with that being said, great debut episode, great guest uh, with my wife, Christina Lancaster. There is going to be a lot more to come with the Shadow Initiative Talking TV now on our third season, our third year. Dude, it's just just getting better and better. And we're going to be bringing back guests because there for the longest time, we did not do guests. And... uh, People were getting bored with Steven and they were like, man, Rick, you need more guests. But uh, yeah, we're going to be bringing back guests and uh, we're going to start lining some people up and, um, you know, go from there. And I think I think you're really going to dig what we got planned for you guys. Yeah, man. With that being said, guys, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. Uh, Rick is so proactive on that that Facebook page, always posting really interesting thought-provoking uh topics photos videos all kinds of stuff join us on youtube channel label 13 videos that is at label 13 videos and of course our official website shadowinitiativetv.com and you can find us anywhere podcasts are available if you use amazon music we're there if you're an itunes apple music guy or gal we're there we are everywhere so we will dominate (laughs) be there be square so yeah thank you everyone so much thank you to christina lancaster um and uh hey you know we got a lot lot in store for everyone all right man you guys take care we're out like a boner in sweatpants (laughs) 